Welcome to Stacks on Stacks, the interviews. Today's interview, Rishi Jaitley. Rishi Jaitley is new to the Virginia Tech community, joining the College of Liberal Arts and Human Sciences this fall as a distinguished fellow in the Center for Humanities and a professor of practice in the new Academy of Transdisciplinary Studies, where he will lead the Digital Transformation and Scientific Collaboration Area. Rishi comes to Virginia Tech from a varied background that includes jobs with uh, leading tech companies like Google and Twitter. He led expansion of Google and YouTube and also of Twitter through Southeast Asia and the subcontinent. And uh, he's worked with other tech startups, creating social media opportunities, attempting to mobilize platforms like that to achieve public good. And his arc has led him into public service or the public sector here at Virginia Tech. And I'm really excited to talk with Rishi today because, first of all, his background, as you'll hear, is very um, rich and full of a lot of interesting explorations and um, sort of like social innovations. I don't know how to describe it. We'll get into it a bit, but uh, um, he's really seems to have uh, poked around the interstices of capitalism and um, social justice and uh, technology and humanities. And he seems really interested in finding meaning and purpose within the spaces where things overlap. At least that's my read of it. And we'll see what he thinks as we begin the conversation. Anyway, thanks for joining me, Rishi. I really appreciate you making the time. Welcome to Stacks on Stacks. It's great to be here, Joe. Thanks for having me. So, before we get into your background, let's start with like uh, how I came into contact with you, right? Mm-hmm. So um, your, I guess, primary role here is with the Center for Humanities, um, working with uh, Dr. Sylvester Johnson over there, who's one of um, my great uh, partners in podcasting and other media production uh, that I pursue uh, in the Athenaeum here in Virginia Tech Publishing. He's great to work with. Um, I can really see the way the stuff that um, exists in your bio meshes with the perspective he brings to humanities, like finding the role for humanities and uh, STEM innovations and technological development. And I can really see you having taken on a lot of that in the different jobs you've done and the companies you've started. Um, Is that so? Is that like the kinship that drew you to your, uh, your current position here to work with Sylvester? I think so. I think um, uh, both Sylvester and I share a passion for and an interest in the human side of technology. Um, and, and that means many things. You know, that means, um, you know, thinking about technology in service of humanity. That means thinking about human skills in, in technology leadership. Um, and, and a whole host of other things. But, you know, I'm so delighted that Sylvester and I overlapped on the board of Virginia Humanities. Both Sylvester and I serve on the state's Humanities Council. Um, each state in the United States has one. And that board draws folks from uh, a variety of experiences um, in and around the humanities. And Sylvester and I sort of naturally gravitated towards one another because I think we both have detected in different ways in our careers that um, 
what informs or ought to inform how many of us as consumers, as leaders, as thinkers in and around technology is humanity and the opportunity to help illuminate um, the value of humanity's education in tech entrepreneurship, in tech executiveship, in tech regulation, even in tech um, uh, scholarship is something I'm super enthused to be a part of here at Virginia Tech. So those who are studying tech, those who are leading tech, those who are working in tech, how does a humanities education benefit them or benefit us if they have it? Yeah, I mean, at a very simple level, what's what's when you take a step back, um, most career careers in technology are are almost by definition new and um, evolving in real time. Most of the companies I worked for or have started uh, didn't exist when I was pursuing my humanities education, in my case, history. And so what's uh, one of my reflections is that my humanities education gave me the intellectual capacity to adapt for and lean into change lean into dynamism and gave me a general sensibility, curiosity, and almost elasticity of mind that I think enable me to thrive in circumstances that were changing, not just year on year, but quarter on quarter. You know, when I was an executive at Google uh, 15, 20 years ago, when I was a one of the first uh, employee for Twitter in mainland Asia, my reality was changing each week. I was asking questions and having to uh, uncover answers that no one had before. And what you don't necessarily need in those contexts is experts. What you need is evangelists and explorers. And I've found that folks who come with a zeal that a humanities education provides do exceptionally well in those settings. And I'm excited to not only model that, but also use my experiences in technology to further knowledge, scholarship, teaching, and leadership for this university uh, in that in that area. Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and I see a little bit of a full circle, right? You're coming now back to um, the academy. But I'm interested in the early part of tracing that circle and what the bridge was, right? You use the word that to me is at the heart of the historical method, right? Change. Um, so history is um, the study of human agency and change over time, right? And uh, so was that was that the bridge or was it something more complicated? I mean, when you were studying history, were you looking at uh, the tech sector and these uh, these companies that seem at first glance to be removed from the study of history, but was it the change or was it something else? Did you come out as thinking you were going to work as an historian of technology or you saw right off the application of your methodology to this realm where change was so prevalent? It's a great question. You know, in, in many ways for me, uh, the word technology um, or the frame technology was not top of mind when I was pursuing uh, my degree in history and, and contemplating my, my career. The through line for me has been place. I've really enjoyed thinking about the world um, in place-based terms and helping technology companies in particular um, use place 
as a unit of analysis for thinking about the impact of technology. All of my roles in uh, technology companies as an executive, as an entrepreneur and startups and venture capital have been anchored in place, which is to say, how might Twitter think about the markets of Asia Pacific or Google? Uh, how might we help um, uh, companies my firm is investing in here in the United States expand to other markets? It turns out when you think about, um, when you develop a passion for place, uh, as I had, and the history of place, which is sort of my academic background, studying the history of places, and, and certainly movements and um, social structures and et cetera within places. Uh, but it turns out that that frame, that passion, that light in me around place in a world um, as evidenced by the last few years with all of us on Zoom, that is arguably becoming less tied and tethered to place. It turns out my frame, I think, stood out to some extent and was valuable to technology companies that were, and still are, by the way, looking for translators, diplomats, people that can represent their businesses, their products, help them localize software in places. And, you know, when you look at tech companies and how they think about their growth, often the meetings they're doing inside their offices or on their conference calls are about markets. Hey, how are we doing in Brazil? What happened last week? Why did our numbers dip? Hey, you know, quarterly earnings are coming up. What's happened in Europe and the Middle East? It turns out all companies, uh, and certainly technology companies, care about place. And for me, um, in all my work across sectors, the public sector, the nonprofit sector, the tech sector, um, place markets communities has loomed large. It, it occurs to me as you're speaking that place-based conceptualizations, place-based conversations are, are um, doorways into um, thinking about the people, right? Because people, despite, I mean, you, you mentioned that uh, folks are less tied to place than they used to be, right? But despite that, uh, there are there are a lot of people tied to a lot of places, right? I think about the way in which a conversation about globalization, as you mentioned, can distract folks from the reality that the vast majority of folks are not globalized in a way that emancipates them from their place. So to think about place um, is to is probably the first step to the kinds of work your bio suggests you're most interested in doing, and that's finding the ways in which these technology developments and platforms can serve social justice around the humanity. Is that accurate? Uh, I think you're hitting on a bunch of really interesting insights and concepts that resonate with me. You know, there's a foundational question when you look at any technology product or startup or entrepreneur that you ought, uh, we all ought, all ought to ask, which is, who are you building for? Who are you designing for? And, you know, there are lots of correct answers here, but it's important to be um, above board, right? There are certain companies that care about building for what's called the power user, meaning the sort of always online, always on, will trial, beta, test, everything. Um, and then there are companies that dig from a design perspective with real empathy to the audiences, communities, people 
Uh, they don't use the word user. There's a debate in the tech industry about whether that's even, even an appropriate word to use in an environment where, where there's a very important conversation to be had about uh, mental health and addiction to technology. But then there are companies, of course, that dig into um, almost anthropologically into what might move folks that uh, are underserved. And I think a lot of the a lot of the work I'm proudest of in my couple of decades in tech is the work um, to find ways and, and animate um, humans uh, that were otherwise uh, not yet awakened uh, to to all that connectivity might offer. Uh, 12, uh, 12 years ago, I, I moved to Detroit um, and launched a nonprofit uh, tech platform called Michigan Core. Ask what you can do for your state. It was an effort to um, get folks from Michigan, from Detroit, in the state and elsewhere to use the internet to give back to home, no matter where they are. A great example of sort of how how one uses technology to not merely speak to the tech um, intelligentsia, so to speak but to speak to folks for whom uh, tech is just part of the list of things that matter to them, not necessarily at the top. So uh, it, are your forays into companies like Michigan Core and Times Bridge, um, are these, uh, should, should we read these as your um, sort of feeling that the kind of, of work you'd like to do with tech is not possible at places like Google and Twitter, or, um, or is, there, is there something else? Like, is there is there a space for uh, the kinds of um, the kind of social work you're chasing in the really like high level companies? Oh, that's, I mean, it's another great question. I mean, I think uh, I wouldn't read too much into, you're right, I've had I've had seasons of time at big technology companies as an executive, but then I've also had seasons as an entrepreneur. I've had seasons in the public sector. Um, I think that's just a more reflection on me and how I'm temper temperamentally built perhaps and, and care uh, and enjoy most um, seasons at a company or, or with an idea that feel entrepreneurial and sincerely event, uh, unlocks the evangelist in me. But of course, it is true that as companies grow up, um, it becomes harder and harder to make uh, make big change um, because there's just um, th these companies are operating at a scale and thinking about all kinds of questions uh, and sometimes competing questions. Um, but I, I I do think that both companies uh, that I worked for Google and Twitter offered me extraordinary exposure to the power the positive power of connectivity, of information, of expression. And I wouldn't have the hope that I have today were it not for that exposure and the change we were able to take and shape. Um, and, I, and I use the lessons that I learned at those companies to create Michigan Core, to co-create Times Bridge, uh, and hopefully now uh, back in the public sector to, to lead at Virginia Tech. Yeah, so it's complicated, and that's an important realization. And um, it's a lot of great, great background, um, and we could uh, talk about that, and we could dig 
more deeply into that uh, for all of the time we have. But I also like to talk about now Virginia Tech. And it's a kind of a good transition because in what you just said, I heard a little bit of a tendency to be looking for the next challenge, right? Or the next adventure. And I'm wondering what you see here that will be, right? So like, I'm interested in uh, how you think your role uh, will manifest in the Center for Humanities, what you think you'll be able to accomplish in the Academy for Transdisciplinary Studies. Uh, what's on your horizon here in Blacksburg? Well, I mean, first at a, a sort of a big picture level, um, Virginia Tech sort of had me at hello. Um, not, not just, of course, my collaboration with, um, with Sylvester, um, but a few things. Um, one, the university's emphasis on service uh, and our motto of prosim, that I may serve. Um, I, I think it's more uncommon than we think to see large institutions, whatever sector they're in, to be so explicitly declaratory about their keen interest in service. Um, so first and foremost, uh, the mission to serve inspires me each day. Uh, secondly, of course, the backdrop of an institution so well regarded for its uh, technology research and technology teaching and, and stewardship and, and, and uh, scholarship, um, I think is incredibly intriguing and interesting to move the ball forward from a humanities perspective on, on sort of the meeting point of these issues. Um, so the backdrop of technology, I think, provides um, the most vivid context um, possible for thinking about the role of humanities education, humanistic inquiry, um, impact on human condition. And then finally, it's an institution that seems to be moving fast, um, is, is um, restless about the opportunity uh, to move big ideas forward to market. My main goal, uh, Joe, in the coming years is, you know, big picture to move the conversation forward. I think that um, that the field in technology um, and, the, and scholarship as well, um, I hope to be able to add to it with a perspective on the role uh, of technology in civic culture, in democratic life, in um, big questions in public policy, in what it means to be, a, to be training leaders in technology. I hope to, I hope to move the conversation forward um, by way of teaching, by way of producing inventive scholarship, maybe doing more of these kinds of things with you, um, public public forum and more, and then and also rallying more um, more to our cause from not not just around the Commonwealth but around the country on behalf of what we're doing here at Virginia Tech. Uh, so a mix of teaching, a mix of uh, of, of scholarship, and certainly. Um, public leadership as well, uh, in service of moving the conversation forward on how the humanities and technology, science and the liberal arts are actually ought to be viewed together. Yeah, that sounds great. And it's great to hear. I mean, we, we at Stacks on Stacks here are big fans of the service motto and of the land grant mission. And it sounds like you're leaning into both of those. Um, and uh, so uh, how does that like fit with regard to the digital transformation and scientific collaboration area that you plan to be leading in the um, Academy of Transdisciplinary Studies. Um, what is that and um, 
what's going to be happening there? Yeah, well, the academy itself is quite new, uh, so it's fun to be a part of uh, a new effort within the College of Liberal Arts and Human Sciences. But playing, in addition to doing my own bit of teaching, in addition to doing my own bit of scholarship and supporting the university as I can in its own growth, um, helping other members of the faculty in the College of Liberal Arts, but more generally, find new and novel ways to collaborate, come up with um, uh, and, and fuel their connectivity, not just with one another, but even with industry, um, as, they, as they surface projects, scholarship, and new curricula. I think the, ability, the opportunity to play a facilitating leadership connectivity role um, amongst faculty from a wide variety of disciplines is something I'm really excited about. The word transdisciplinary, um, unlike interdisciplinary, the transdisciplinary um, alludes to the notion of new knowledge um, being created when two discipline, otherwise disparate disciplines uh, collide and coalesce. Uh, so it's not just about the meeting point and overlap, it's about the generation of new content and new knowledge. And I'm super excited, uh, whether it's how digital media and democracy fit and don't fit, whether it's the intersection of artificial intelligence and ethics, uh, whether it's uh, the opportunity to ask big questions about um, everything happening with the human genome and, and, and more. Um, excited to contribute to the generation of new knowledge um, by virtue of that role. Well, it all seems like great stuff, and um, there's so much potential that, that lives in uh, what you're bringing to the table. I love to see the center being strengthened and the transdisciplinary impulse um, being uh, supported here, so um, it's all good stuff. Well, thanks so much for talking with me today, Rishi. It's been a real pleasure, and uh, welcome to Virginia Tech. I appreciate what you're doing here, uh, Joe, and uh, looking forward to being back uh, someday. Today's guest for Stacks on Stacks, the interviews, has been Rishi Jaitley. Rishi is a distinguished fellow in the Center for Humanities at Virginia Tech, and he is a professor of practice in the new Academy for Transdisciplinary Studies in the College of Liberal Arts and Human Sciences. Rishi spoke with me on August 16th in the afternoon, almost one week exactly, before we aired the interview, today, August 23rd, 2022. If you'd like to learn about other guests who have visited the Stacks on Stacks podcast and radio show, you can visit our website via the convenient bit.ly, bit.ly forward slash V-T-U-L-S-O-S. There you can find descriptions and links from past guests and even a few future ones. You can find all of the episodes of this podcast on the Virginia Tech Publishing website. That's publishing.vt.edu. There you can see all the Stacks on Stacks interviews shows, and you can browse through any other podcasts published by or affiliated with Virginia Tech Publishing. You can also find this or any of those other podcasts wherever you find your podcasts. Perhaps that is how you are listening to this episode. Perhaps you've happened upon us 
During the weekly live broadcast of Stacks on Stacks, the University Library's radio show, during one of our regular Tuesday afternoons from 3.30 until 5 p.m. on 90.7 WUVT-FM Blacksburg. Radio for everyone. However you found us, and whatever you think of us, thanks for listening. 